I, I got it. I guess I, I was wondering what the fourth year was going to hold. If it was like a player option or whatever, but I, I, I thought I didn't think he was going to get twenty mil up to twenty per year, bro. It's- there's a couple things we're going to tap into later on, but my initial reaction was, number one is that Scott Perry's fingers all over it, but the larger issue is that this front office is completely complacent with being a treadmill team because we have no ceiling to be anything more than a first-round exit team unless Quickly and Barrett both reach their 99 percentile outcome, which you don't want to put all of your eggs into this basket, so... We kind of have a handcuff the next three years. I mean, my reaction was simply who was bidding with the Knicks for 80 million American U.S. dollars? And so my my thing isn't even okay. So aside from my my Twitter and Slack outraging, right? Like I get you wanted to add a better perimeter threat, a guy who could probably do a little bit more with the ball on the wing. I get that, right? Normally, they pick up the the more cheapy option, which is why I was a little confused why they weren't going after Norm or Gary Trent. But again, if they were going to stay where they are going to stay, okay. I'm confused how the Celtics dropped the leak that, oh, you know, this guy wants over $70 million, and we aren't doing that. So good luck, buddy. This is what you want. We're letting teams know. And the reaction to that instead was, that's it. <laughs> Let, let's let's go get that guy <laughs> if that's all it's gonna take and i'm just confused how the knicks arrived at being so timid for three four years whatever and then going you know what that's the guy that's the guy that guy toiling away with the magic three four years going nowhere barely getting to 17 points per game on pretty much the most average shooter you can get i'm okay everybody doing this flirting with 40 50 90 he's a career 45 38 guy right let's fucking relax a little bit i don't know where this defense comes from either but uh i i got it but i mean that is everyone's going oh fourth year bro uh, team option relax relax Maybe so. Maybe so. Three years is too much for him, in my opinion. So that's where I'm coming from. Like, two plus one, I would have been like, all right, stomach it. Once it's a two plus one, you can get out of a contract when there's only one year left. But when it's a three-year deal or a fourth year technically, that contract's unmovable for two years. Like, we're sitting on that. That's a brick. My issue is I know people are trying to convince themselves that he's a more efficient player than he really is. He doesn't get to the foul line at all. The defense isn't there, and he takes a lot of bad shots. None of those things are going to change within this construct, but the greater issue is we're giving him one-fifth of our cap the next three years, so we're literally handcuffed. Bro, I, <laughs> yo, man, I don't know. I, I don't understand what was going on. Like, I don't see – like. Nothing makes sense. Like I feel like I feel like there. I feel like we're going to get a story in the next couple of days of where the Knicks thought they had something and it fell through because you cannot tell me that this is what they were. This is what they kind of thought they were aiming for. There's just but no you, way. But you know what, bro? I think, I think this is exactly what they're aiming for. I'm sorry, I hate to be that guy, but every As, year, every year we look at this and we go, "This is the return." Surely, surely there was a better plan in place. And I just don't know that there is. And the reason I say that is because of the the speed at which they do end up working. It's not as though they aren't doing anything. They have this plan lined up and they have it lined up ahead of time. I just, for the life of me, I don't get if it, enough time hasn't passed yet. 
Teams still don't want to sign with them. Team, you know, players still don't want to sign with them. They're still a little timid. I get it to a degree, but it's like, I just can't see how you preserve this holier than thou image in the media of not wanting to spend, you know, we're, we're preserving our cap flexibility for stars. And then you throw what you throw at Evan Fournier, which really hinders that unless you're going to be able to move him, which this is the other thing too. Everybody says you're going to be able to move him. That That's a movable deal, movable deal. Generally, that sounds like something I would say, so I get it. But the magic we're selling for like three years in a row because they're the magic. And you mean to tell me this near 50, 40, 90, everybody tells me he plays defense. So this, this semi two-way guy was just sitting there. Nobody swooped in. Nobody, nobody made, he was untouchable in Orlando. What, what is the story here? What's going on, folks, and welcome back after a little bit of a break to the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Maggio. Uh, Joined with my co-host, Sean Geddes, today. I got uh, a couple of our TKW confidants with us that are not Mike Cortez, who's a, uh, you know, not going to be with us tonight, but he'll be back next week. I've got Drew and Quentin. What's going on, fellas? How we feeling? Yeah, what to do, man? My name is Drew. Catch me on Twitter at Sky Drew. First off, want to say thank you so much for having me on the pod. Been rocking with y'all for years now. And honestly, today really isn't a podcast, more so than a therapy session. So after this pod's over, I'll give you my uh, medical information and I'll give you whatever the copay is and we'll go over that after that. So uh, glad to be talking with y'all. Hey, what's up, everybody? Glad to be back. Glad the podcast is back. We got to have an honest conversation, man, because I don't like what I'm seeing. I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. We got to have an so, honest conversation. So on that note, I'm just going to read a, a couple of, of today's. I, I know I know, we, the the main podcast, you know, Jess and, and Nick, they, they did an excellent job of draft season. We, the, the main pod, have not been on to give you our takes even about the draft. So we have a lot that we owe you. I apologize. I had some stuff that came up. I had to take a break, but I am back. I have a lot to talk about. Uh, and Sean is here to argue with me about it all. But I just want to start off reading all the deals that we did today. And we'll just go from there. Because that's the only place that we can really start. So 6 p.m. today. We're all waiting for the rumors to stop flying. We all had enough. We all had enough, right? We needed to wait for 6 p.m. to get here. And then it did come. It came and it came fast, right? And you know what we got? So the first one that they announced was Alec Burks, three years, $30 million. Second one they announced pretty quickly right after. Nerland's the well got three years, $32 million. Okay. Uh, Reggie Bullock ended up departing us to go to the Mavericks for a similar deal. I forgot what he exactly got, but I think it was like three around 30. 30, same as Burks. Same as Burks. So, Honestly, I mean, makes sense. It's fine. Reggie had a good year, 40% three-point shooter, solid defense. That's always going to get you paid in this league. Good for Reggie. Genuinely liked him, you know, all, re- all regular season. I was a stout Reggie defender, as we know on this pod, and especially Sean. So uh, it is what it is. He, You know, he did what he had to do for us. I, I honestly and wholeheartedly wish him the best. I'm sure he's going to flourish off of Luka. Um, we then signed Derek Rose 
Oh, no, no, sorry. We didn't sign Derrick Rose first. We signed Evan Fournier to a four-year deal that could be worth as much as $78 million American dollars per Woj. Uh, everybody's telling me to relax because it's a three-year with a fourth-year uh, fourth option. I don't care. Uh, three years guaranteed is too much for Evan Fournier, in my opinion. We'll get to that. But um, right after that, they signed Derrick Rose three years, $43 million, uh, pretty much taking out the rest of the cap space that we had. And that was essentially that, right? I mean, nothing else. Ooh, this, this is pretty much, we, we have no cap space. We spent 54 of the 54.5 million we had. There's some stuff going around. If they renounce rights for Reggie and Rose in a certain fashion, they can clear up a little bit more money potentially. But even then we're talking about maybe eight to $10 million. We're talking about an end of bench guy, a lot of roster spots already filled. So Sean, I know we're going to argue about some stuff today, but I do just want to get your overall takes on, because there was a lot of Knicks news today, uh, some surprising and then some not when we let it process. But I just want to get your opinion and your thoughts on all these from, from the top. So, All right, so from the top, um, I actually didn't get the Alec Burks news first. I got the Nernas Noel news first, like 601. It was disgusting. Um, I was not happy about it. I think I'm not super upset. You know, it is what it is, like three years, 32 that's not a bad value contract for Nerlens himself. The way that I felt, and I feel like most of us felt, was that Nerlens kind of played himself out of the range we should be willing to pay him as a backup center. So I didn't really like the move to give him 11 mil a year for the next three years, but also at the same time, and the way I feel about most of these deals, it's it's a tradable contract. Like Nerlens is a tradable deal if you include that as the main piece and a bunch of salary. And you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the draft later and what we did as far as punting 19 and pick up a future first round pick. Like we clearly want to stockpile assets. So I think that you know I don't trip too much about the contract because it's movable. Saint Alec Burks three years, 30 million, very movable. With the way that Alec Burks played last year, somebody would love to have him. I'm sure. So I mean. I don't want to depend too much on Alec Burks, but I mean, when you see Doug McDermott get three years, 42, I cannot complain about giving Alec Burks three years, 30. That's perfectly fine with me. Uh, Evan Fournier, which is where I know we're going to have our start disagreement. Um, not mad at the deal. Four years, 78 million. If it was four years guaranteed, I'd be a little bit upset. The, the fourth year team option is huge for me. It made me feel a lot better. And at that point, you really break it down. You're paying Evan Fournier about $19.5 million a year. And when you look at the market and you see that last year, Davis Bertans got five years, $80 million without being able to put the ball on the floor. Uh, you've got Joe Harris making $18 million a year, who is a better shooter than Fournier, but isn't necessarily better than him at anything else. Um, Doug, Duncan Robinson is got paid today, and he's, of course, an elite shooter. But, you know, he got five years, $90 million. Norman Powell, who I feel like is in a similar market. I would have preferred Norman Powell personally. But I feel like he's in a similar market. He got five years, 90 from a team he was a restricted free agent on. So, and, you know, Kyle, you're the main guy that says at some point you got to add talent. Where would you have wanted to add the talent? Like if Evan Fournier doesn't get paid, who does? When you look at where everybody else went and what the deals were, I didn't want Spencer Dinwiddie um, at all. Uh, Lonzo signed before six o'clock even crossed. I was devastated. Um, So I just feel like there weren't a whole lot of options out there. I'm glad you asked, Sean. Because first of all, Norman Powell, we can start there because I agree. But even if you think Norman Powell and Gary Trent Jr. were going to stay with their respective teams, the Knicks didn't have a chance. I get it, right? I get it. I always just want to see the pursuit. I want to see the pursuit with my team 
of targeting those guys that I like. But I understand I can't get my wish because it seems like they never target the guys that I like and they almost specifically target the guys that I asked them not to. So I, I should know this by now. It's my fault, actually. But the 48 thing, so, okay. I do agree they should have spent the money. I do. But I still think it for the fall, all, all the years we do this fallback of, well, they didn't need to spend all the cap money. They didn't need to spend all of it. Riddle me this. Why couldn't we throw more than $19 million a campaign over three years when we needed maybe a little bit more scoring punch and shooting from the point guard position, right? Uh, I, I think that would have been a good step. I, I would have went, I would have went over, you know, closer to 30 at least. I think I could have outbid the Suns if I was in that situation. So I, I don't, I just wouldn't have thrown it all at him for you because to me, he's going to eat up a sizable part of your cap. Now the next three years where the only way you could really make a move is if you're trading him. And I just don't like those odds because the point I was making to drew was this guy was available every season in Orlando. They were selling all the time. Those guys weren't not like unmovable guys, untouchable guys. Like those, those were always available guys to somebody who wanted them. And nobody wanted Evan Fournier enough to go get him all the time. And, and the reason I'm saying this is I'm not saying he's a, a total garbage useless player. Like I under, I understand like outside of my angry tweets, outside of my angry slacks, I understand he could shoot the ball a little bit. You wanted somebody who could probably do a little bit more with the basketball that, you know, Reggie wasn't doing last year, which again, I thought maybe bringing Burks back probably helped with that. You could throw more money at like a campaign, but we don't do things how I want to do them. So I got that. I just don't think Fournier is the creator that you're looking for in the playoffs because that's what really what it comes down to now. You're trying to help the next level. And I just don't know that when has Fournier ever been the guy that was going to help somebody? The scoring guy is my point. In Orlando, I got it because no one else was coming. They couldn't sign anybody. Somebody playing the wing had to shoot those shots, but he doesn't shoot good shots. His shot selection is not really that great. He's a little bit, not a little bit, he's, he's pretty streaky. So it's like the ability is there. Yeah, he can shoot the ball. And, and I don't know where this defense stuff comes from either because I, I don't get where he he's suddenly a 54. If you ask Nick's Twitter, he's a 50-40-90 guy who plays good defense. And, I, and I'm stunned that a 50-40-90 guy who plays good defense was available for three straight seasons and nobody went to get him until the Celtics did last year. So I think he might be able to help with a little bit of the offense. And if the shooting is better than I'm giving him credit for and it works out, then great. Obviously, you know how I am with this stuff. I, once they're here, I now want to be proven wrong actively and perpetually. And I, I now am rooting for me to be wrong. I'm rooting for Evan 48 to get on the floor, shoot the hell out of the basketball, make me look stupid. I just don't think like as timid as they are, as cautious as they are. Remember, every single season we go into this, they're cautious about preserving cap flexibility for the next big free agent class. And this time we threw 80 million at Evan Fournier as to not preserve the cap the next two years at least. So we're now, we have no shot at free agency and even at our draft. And, and it's, it's a whole thing for me because I didn't even like our draft philosophy where we're trading back, trading back, trading back. Even last year we traded back. It's like, we're always waiting and pushing and punting and waiting and pushing. And then Evan 48 gets the money. It just, it doesn't make a lot of money. Uh, a lot of sense to me is my point. So there's certainly some pros, the shooting I get, but I, I just don't know that he warrants 80 million. Who was bidding with the Knicks for 80 million? Who? Because the Celtics looked at him saying set over 70 and they're like, yo, this guy's bugging. We're going to leak this out. This guy wants $70 million. We're not doing that shit. And the Knicks were like, that's it? Well, 
Let's make that fourth year team option. And we'll give you 80, buddy. Get over here. We got, we got to take you before somebody else does. And I don't know that somebody else was going to for that price is all that I'm saying. I, I think I will wait to hear the details and get a fair shake on this. I just, I don't like the amount that we have given. That That's definitely fair. I mean, I, it, it wasn't a perfect deal. And definitely when you wait all these years and you're preserving the cat space and you come away with what we did today, where you bring back the same team you had pretty much and then add Evan Fournier, it's not super exciting. Um, even like the Derrick Rose deal. Like I don't, I saw people didn't like that one as well. Three years, 43 million. Um, I, I get why people would just like, I get not wanting to spend that kind of money there, but I saw everyone say they wanted Derrick Rose back all off season. And I just like to ask those people what they thought he was coming for. Like, you know, if you got a guy who was playing the way he was playing last year, he was our best player in the playoffs, things like that. So I, I feel like it's the same thing with Fournier. At the end of the day, because, you know, somebody was like, oh, earlier was like, is 18 mil too much? And I was just like, I mean, the guy's an 18-point-per-game scorer on, you know, nearly 50, 40, 90. And is he? 40 on this team? When he went to the Celtics, he couldn't do shit. Reggie Bullock was averaging like 14, 15 a game last year and shooting 40%. I think that Re- Evan Fournier will be fine. I, think I, Evan Fournier I would be bet fine. I, I would bet you money right now he doesn't sniff 18 points a game. I, I would, I would bet you 16. money. We were talking 18, though. We signed him to be a closer to 20-point-per-game guy. That's why you get 80 million American dollars. So if you come to give me mid-teens, 14 to, to 16, that, that's worth it? What, that's the thing about the market. Like, but the 18? market... He is he closed our market off the next two years. My point is we can't add anymore, right? If that's the sal- if that if the salary holds, right? We cannot add via free agency. So all we can do is trade, and the trade is gonna have to involve either Noel or Fournier. So there's not really many avenues now unless we hit home runs in the draft, because now we're forced into a trade situation, which might be the plan. I'm not that's why I'm saying I, I might not hate it because maybe there is a good trade lined up. I can't see into the future. And now there's enough salary to, to make me believe that there's a chance, but that's the only route that they're going to have to improve the team. And the sell is, do you want Fournier or Noel is probably going to be your, your main salaries going out. I I just don't know how that's appealing. So now, so now you, you lock into Fournier, who's like, kind of like, meh, and you're hoping for higher offensive upside. And then you got to kind of pray that he's movable to get you out of it. It just feels like a strange situation to put themselves in for like two to three years after, again, wanting to have preserved for like a real star. I'd say at the crux of our pessimism, Kyle, because I feel like me and you share a similar belief, are two um, very important facts. Number one, I'm getting the feeling that this front office is just incredibly complacent with just being a first round and exit playoff team because we all watched that Atlanta Hawks series. It was like watching two different sports in terms of shot creation and shot making skills. Did we really think that the difference between that becoming a series was upgrading Reggie Bullock with Evan Fournier? Because I certainly don't think so. So on one hand, we made a decision that doesn't necessarily increase our ceiling over the next three to five years. Secondly, we've all been taught to have patience with this front office because we're remaining flexible. We're in the market for a star free agent, or we're going to be the next big hotspot for a trade. Now, how is that happening? Because we're giving Fournier three years for the team option. I understand we're giving Derek Rose three years. 
he got a lot of miles in those tires. I'm not sure he's going to be an effective player in year two or even year three of that contract. Nerlens Noel, the bigger issue in this, we're going to touch on all these topics later. I understand that. But now we're going to be forced in a situation where we either have to play two non-shooting rim-protecting centers um, plus double-digit money, or we just threw the OB topping contract uh, selection in the garbage pail as his uh, ceiling in terms of being a higher usage player is going to be mitigated in a 14-minute-per-game role. So having said all that, the two biggest issues are that it feels like this front office is playing the game of just wanting to retain their job and making the fan base happy by being uh, a one-and-done playoff team as well as having the media on their side instead of looking for a championship, which is what we really care about. Just a pop. Yeah. I I feel I want to ask. I I'll say it like this. I said it before. If you told me this was the roster that the Knicks would have after they lost to Atlanta, I feel like everyone on Twitter, Knicks Twitter, would have lost their minds. And I just I feel like they didn't need to gridlock their roster like this for the next two seasons. And I feel like they didn't even give themselves the op- the out, right? Like, so one of the things was I wrote a piece about Josh Hart and I came away with Josh Hart. Like, I like him. I think he's fine. He has one flaw. He's not this consistent shooter. If he was a slightly better shooter, this is a guy who, if you get him in this incubator and he shoots well, he'll not only become a better player, but then he becomes a better asset. And like the Knicks have grabbed a bunch of guys who are familiar to them, but there's no, like, they can't become better assets. They got a bunch of guys in their second and third contracts where we kind of know what they are. So now we're sitting here with a bunch of guys and the hope that RJ and quick and Grimes and deuce can all take these steps forward and be good players. And I just I don't see what the strategy is. One of the things that got me in Nick's Twitter is that a lot of people have been preaching this idea, like Leon Rose knows what he's doing. World Wide West is going to get us somebody. Brock Aller is a cap god. And like they spent all this money and now the plan is to kick the can down the road two years while being a middling team. Someone has to explain to me what the plan and what the strategy is. It can't continuously be, hey, we're going to be available for the next star when it comes down the road. I think if you look at each individual contract, you can talk yourself into them being fine. But when you put them all together, after the fact that we came into this offseason with nearly $50 million in cap space, the 19th pick, the 21st pick, and the 32nd pick, this roster that we have now, to me, is unacceptable. Um, First, you go first, Dad. Oh, no, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I definitely understand the concept of the roster being unacceptable, but I feel like it's a perspective thing because on the last day of the season, I would have been hoping. And honestly, like like I was saying earlier, I really think that the move is going to be trades. I don't really think there's much of a marketing free agency. I feel like Bill is about to re-up. I feel like Levine's about to re-up. Steph Curry's probably going to re-up. And then it's like, who are you leaving that money open for in 2022? So, I mean, you you make the team better. You make the upgrade. Um, I think that – and I also – what I do believe about the front office, I believe that it's less complacency, and I believe that they're kind of leaning – like, I think they're uh, expecting a huge jump from RJ. 
So I think they're leaning more into RJ. I think we're going to see the ball in RJ's hands more next year. I think we're going to see a lot of growth from RJ. He's probably going to be our primary wing defender now. Like it's just, it's boom. Here you go, kid. It's your, you know, I think we're, I think this, these moves show, I doubt we're going to start Rose. I think he still comes off the bench. So I think we're going to start Emmanuel quickly. So, you know, I think we're leaning into the things that I've wanted to see from last year, which I can't be too upset about. And then you get Evan Fournier who fits well, you know, um, the money is, yeah, the, it, it doesn't look good. It's, it's not something that you like, I didn't get that notification. All that I'm saying, all that I'm it, saying. You're, every, you're not wrong. Every, every, okay. But my point is this, this is what always happens is I bring this shit up and then everybody acts like, like what I'm saying is unreasonable. $80 million for Evan Fournier is a wild amount of money. Even if you, Give me the, well, it's 360 and he's got a fourth year. Like, I don't care. Like, that's a lot of money for a guy who, like, I've been asking openly and publicly, where's the evidence that he's a good defender? Because this is getting shoved down my throat that he's a good defender. Show me the evidence that he's a good defender because I've watched a lot of magic. This is not a joke. I've watched a lot of magic. They, they are not. They had some good defensive teams, some team defensive units. You know what I mean? Where was Evan Fournier responsible for, for anchoring or locking down people? Because... Again, if that was the case, people would have been chomping at the bit to get an affordable 50, 40, 90-ish guy who played great defense. I, to me, it's a little bit its a little bit ridiculous. That, that's all that I'm saying. It's a lot. I'm not saying that we, we couldn't possibly have a, had a fit for Fournier because when we initially talked about him, Sean, I said, hey, if, if we could get him at the trade deadline was the initial time this came up, right? And I said, look, I don't want him, but if you can get him for, yeah, uh, like a second or whatever, if, if he's cheap like and he could shoot, then sure, I don't give a fuck. You sign him in free agency for to lock him in as one of your main pieces. And this is one thing I do disagree with you, Sean, is that he RJ is going to get more like time with the basketball because the whole reason you signed Evan Fournier was to do more things with the basketball that Reggie couldn't do. And one of the things that I don't like about Fournier is he just dribbles the ball around. Like, yeah, he he can do more stuff with it, but he's he th- like from what I've seen, it appears as though he thinks he's better than he is and he's dribbling the ball off like he's doing wild shit and it's just like i don't i think he's gonna take away from rj is my thing i think they brought him on to do more offensive duties that's what i'm worried about that's my fear is quick starting would be would be good i'm with you there like that's what i'm trying to say like i'm not i'm not as insane as everybody's trying to make it seem like i i get how some stuff could work but it's like like rj really can't have any less duty with the ball he has to be much better, which, you know, I believe in him. I get that. I'm more worried about like the Fournier fit. People are making it seem like it's this like easy, like plug and play. Like, yeah, bro, this guy fits in perfectly. No problems. We don't got to worry about nothing. That's why I'm cool with the money. And I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I, I watched him. He, he likes to dribble. He likes to do stuff. Our, if we want RJ to have those duties, like he's got to play off RJ. And I feel like I'm, I'm worried RJ is going to be back on the corner again. That's my point. I do want to see more with RJ. I'm just worried that now our, our, guy that's going to be breaking down the defenses is going to do it a little bit too often. And I want, I do want to see more of that growth from those guys. I just don't know if they're going to get it now because so much of that offense is going to be Fournier and Randall. Go ahead, Drew. Oh yeah. So I just wanted to piggyback off Kyle's point. Like we watched Fournier over the years. He's been a higher usage guy. I don't think he comes to the Knicks and then becomes a sub-20% usage player, especially because we know how RJ is in terms of he's a very team-first player. He runs within the flow of the offense often. He's not going to take air out of the ball. That's always been one of Fournier's detriments because he's not somebody that you're going to just run pin downs and curls and run off movement with. He's going to be somebody that 
is going to almost be a detriment, in my opinion, to Barrett reaching its ceiling. Because if we're looking at this Knicks team, I feel like our only outs of reaching our ceiling would be Barrett and quickly both reaching their 99 percentile outcome. In order for them to do that, we need to put them in situations where they're going to be allowed to flourish. Are we? Let me ask you this question, Sean. I'll keep it short. Do you think Evan Fournier is going to be somebody next year that is going to allow RJ to operate as a primary? Honestly, I fully believe so. And of course, there's no way of knowing that. So there's no way for me to guarantee that. I think because I have an I have a friend that's a Magic fan, and we, when we were getting like when the rumors were swirling around Fournier, he was like, "Oh, good luck with that." And I was like, "You didn't like him?" He was like, "I mean, he wasn't the best on defense, and he tr- he tried to do too much offensively." And I was like, "But weren't you guys using him as like a number one option?" And he was like, mm, "Good point. Like he's not a you know he's not going to be a number one perimeter option here. I think that he will be a lot of that pin down guy, and I feel like you will see a lot of those dribble handoffs and things like that." So, you know, I, I think that without him being used in that role to facilitate the entire offense and being able to operate in spaces where he's just able to play off. of, I, I think he's going to do I think he's going to work one just playing off of Randall. And I think that he's also going to be able to play off of RJ. I can't guarantee that that's what's going to happen, but I would hope that the front office doesn't move the next three years out of the way of RJ's development to put the ball in Fournier's hands. That would be a failure. See, I got to come in hot here. Who did he just play off of in Orlando that was a two, two-time All-Star? Vooch. So well, he's I gonna... think that's different. I, I think that's different because Vooch is interior. I mean, he's stepping out to the three-point I, line. But... I, I hear you, but Randall's more on the perimeter, and I just I, – I don't – it could – I'm not trying to I'm – I'm really not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying I think we're overstating what we think Fournier is outside of Orlando is all. I think, like – he okay, and in fairness to the, to the Boston tenure, he did have some COVID issues. So I'm not going to sit here and cite his numbers because that's disingenuous, even for me. I like to make my my narrative known, but even for me, this is a little low. All right, so I'm going to leave that out. Jalen was out, and I just I felt underwhelmed. Like I, I knew he was going through stuff, but even then, like that, it seemed like he didn't feel comfortable being like a spot up off to the side guy, and he's also overextended, doing too much. So. Look, maybe he's got, maybe it does work with Randall. Maybe he needs a better fit. Fit is a lot of this league and, and maybe it does work out. But I just, I feel like I have no reasons to be as enthused as everybody is for the price point. So I, it makes some sense. I just don't feel I like, like now, now staring in the face, like this is the team for two years is kind of like, like last year it was fun. Don't get me wrong. And like, I do think that there's some credits to like bringing back some of your own guys. Continuity doesn't matter. They did achieve some stuff. Alfred doesn't seem to be in play. There's some stuff. There's some good things. Yeah, Let's all take a collective second from from our budding heads about this 48 thing. I just want to – there's no cap space at this moment. There might be tomorrow, but at this moment, there is no cap space available for for Alfred Payton, and I am so happy that I – most likely don't have to watch him in a Knicks uniform. I don't want to say never until it's official, you know, but yeah. most likely don't have to watch him in a Knicks uniform anymore. And being able to enjoy all the players on my team is such an exciting thing. I can't wait. I mean, I don't know what you guys are going to do without Frank, but I mean, that's a, I, I didn't want to, I did want to be the one to bring it up. I am going to, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I did. <laughs> but I, but I feel but I feel a little bit bad. So Frank, 
it seems like Frank either doesn't fit in or if they make up some some cap room with the the Reggie renouncing that they can maybe slip him in. But even then, it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing much. So, uh, you know, we, we lose Alfred. It, it appears we possibly lose Frank. I don't know if you got – is it too soon? Do you, do you want to do an ode to Frank? Should we do it here? Do you want to wait? Did you want to wait till it's official? You know, let's wait till they move someplace else. Yeah, we should wait. Till, did you get rid of uh, Alfred? Yes. What did it cost? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Man. I mean, look, Alfred being gone is the biggest thing. Uh, but as long as they, if they give, if they give quickly a real shot next year, I'll talk myself into most anything. I will say that if quickly, it's like a bona fide 25, 30 minutes a game, no bullshit. No, no getting pulled. They give him a green light. I'll attempt to talk myself into stuff. You know what I mean? But if it's like we're, we're running back the same plan as last year, along with the same roster, and then we're still like begging Tibbs to do basically the same stuff, Sands number six, it's like I don't want to be there again is my point. And that's what I'm worried about with this, this locking in of this roster is as good as they were. For example, too, and I, don't, and I really don't even want to like downplay what they did last year. Just asking questions. They won nine games in a row while playing Alfred Payton last year. If they don't win those nine games in a row, they're much closer to a 500-ish team, which means they're not the four seed, which means they're likely the six to eight seed, right? So if they're, let's say, the seven seed, just over 500, sneak into the playoffs. They don't go winning record, let's say, but you know, not, not like they had. Probably drastically changes the way we look at this offseason, right? Like had we been a seven seed, lost a couple more games and signed Evan 48, $80 million. Everybody probably goes nuts is what I'm thinking. And my whole reason is it for being a little annoyed is I don't think we're that far off from that. You know what I mean? I think that was a, that it was a great, they played excellent basketball during that run. Don't get me wrong, but I think sort of anticipating them to keep on that trajectory this upcoming season, like, while factoring in that that was like 25% of the games that they won last year. I don't know if that's reasonable. Like when we talk about regressing for, you know, next year, they always talk about like, ah, Randall might not shoot as well. Or what, what about RJ's threes? You know, that's always the stuff we talk about. I do think there's like a general team regression. You got to worry about if they were on fire like that. It was great. They feel good and everything, but how are you going to be able to sustain it now? I, I don't necessarily worry about that too much. I think that once again, with no Alfred, that's already a plus. Uh, say what you want about Fournier, huge upgrade to Reggie Bullock. Uh, there's no way Trey Young is going to guard Evan Fournier for 34 minutes in a playoff game, and Evan Fournier is going to have zero points. And if you throw the ball to Evan Fournier on a fast break, he can lay it up. Evan so, Fournier has had zero points before. I just want to bring that up. He's not going to have up. zero points. He's not going to have points Trey Young guarding him for 34 minutes. It's not going to happen. I hope right. not, but there, there's a highlight reel ready of Evan Fournier O for everything. So don't <laughs> let's, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. He's he's that's my thing. He's is he's streaky. This is not some lights out every night guy. Like he he does miss a lot a lot of nights. Like this isn't like. But that's the thing for that price range. You're getting streaky guys. It, Tim, Timmy got four. Timmy got four years, seventy two million. Again, that's the same deal we gave him like five or six years ago. Timmy is streaky. I love Timmy. I would have liked to sign Timmy. But it would pretty much be the same thing we're getting. So my, my question to the not liking the Fournier deal, and like once again, they signed Timmy for four years. We got the fourth-year option. So my question to not winning Fournier is when you go into this offseason and you know you needed to improve this team and you look around the league and you see what happened and you see the deals that were given out and you see how people were already going where they were going or staying in restricted free agency situations, what would you have done to improve the team? 
Side campaign. Like campaign idea. I don't like that idea. I don't like That's, campaign. I, I love campaign. I don't like you prop. We need it. We need we, we need better point guards and we needed scoring one. I think I, I think the IQ can be a better point guard than campaign. I so mean, when you're playing Emmanuel, he's, he's got a ways offer, to they just offer so many different like they just offer different things. That's I think like campaign, like the campaign thing makes me feel like the Knicks didn't even ask about campaign. Because like, they did not ask about like, campaign. The Suns came out and were like, it's crazy. The Suns came out earlier today and they're like, bro, $6 million is pushing it for us for campaign. And then we were just like, huh, yeah, let's not even get involved. Yeah, it's just, they got <laughs> it situated as, over there. As a front office, if your plan is to start Emmanuel quickly, who you drafted last year and think he Do can we know step what's into the plan, a bigger though? role, but what, uh, I, we don't know anything. But as a front office, if your plan is to start Emmanuel quickly, what is the point of signing campaign? Because I don't think that's the plan. I think the plan is to start Derrick Rose. I don't think you sign Derrick Rose. You don't You don't make the – this is my point back when we traded for Roshan. You don't sign – you don't do that trade if you weren't going to sign him and then play him considerably. And I don't think you just signed him for $43 million after a good season to bring him off the bench for two to three years. Maybe he goes there eventually. But I think after all the uproar of, of Alfred and everything else – and how hard it was for, for quickly to even see like 15 minutes in the second half of last season. I don't see how they're just going to go. Yeah, we got to start now. I, and I'd love it. I love it. I'm hoping for that to happen. I just feel like Derek Rose, like that was the whole point of that deal. Like we knew this was coming. We knew they were going to keep him. We knew he was going to play a ton of minutes. And at the end of his deal, he's what 36. I don't think the whole point was to get to the end of the deal. I think they're trying to start him now. We keep saying like the whole point of what they just did was to bring guys in who can contribute now. I feel like that was the whole point. Like they want Rose, they want Rose to start. He's going to give them 15 and five and play some decent defense. They're going to bring quick off the bench again. And it's going to be more or less the same thing. And they're just going to tweak it based off that. I don't know though. I think that I, I think that they brought Derek Rose back for a six man role. I mean, at some, at some point over that three-year contract, Emmanuel quickly is going to start with Derek Rose. I don't think they gave Derrick Rose a three-year contract to make him the starter in 2020. What year are we in 2021? So I don't think that he's going to be our starting point guard in 2023 because he got a three-year deal. Well, look, I understand us being very in on quickly, and it doesn't take away anything from Rose, but we all watched that Atlanta Hawks series. Did we, re- did we really think that Evan Fournier is the difference maker in that series in terms of shot creation? Because the big takeaway I had from that series is the Knicks were taking much more difficult shots than the Hawks and the Hawks just had flat out more skillful players. We did a very poor job at being self-aware looking at this roster because quickly has the potential to play the one or the two. He's a very ambiguous guard that we don't have to lock him into the one position. My question is going into next season with quickly and Rose as your uh players who can play the one, how are you going to feed easier shots for the rest of your lineup in the half court? Because we know Thibodeau wants to run the rock fight, slow paced offense. This is going to be very difficult for us to have um, easier shots. So where is that coming from? Who's going to be the player creating for others? I want to like, and we haven't seen it yet. So, but I think there was plenty of potential for playmaking for a man quickly. And I think that in year two, he can do that a lot better. But on top of that, I also don't want to sit here and overrate campaign. I like campaign. I like what we saw him do in flashes. 
but let's not act like he's the answer and he was the missing piece. Like, I, I would rather take my chances on Emmanuel quickly, and I could understand the front office feeling that way. Whether you're starting Emmanuel quickly on day one or you're starting Derrick Rose and giving Emmanuel quickly 25 to 30 and increasing his role either during the season or the next year, I still don't – I wouldn't sign up for three years of campaign while you have Emmanuel quickly. I wouldn't. So I don't think that that was really a necessary – I don't – I think you can ask that same question you're asking about Evan Fournier if you made a campaign signing today. All right, so we don't even have to bog on to just campaign. It was the lack of going after shot creators as well as players that want to create for others. In the draft, going Grimes as well as McBride, and then in free agency, only bringing Fournier in, who somebody wants to create for himself. We're going to have a lot of tough shots in the half court again this season. So even if you say, like, look, I want to put all my eggs in the Emmanuel Quickly basket, which I'm totally cool with, that doesn't change the fact that his biggest weakness as a player right now is his lack of making the correct reads as a lead guard. And I feel like we don't have that true primary still that even if you want to give quickly a bigger role, we should have addressed that weakness better. Do you disagree with that? I not whole, not entirely. I disagree with parts of that. I, I don't, I think that that issue has been overblown. I think that people like, yes, we did need more shot creation, but I think that one, a man quickly adds more shot. Creation. He didn't play much in the Atlanta series, honestly. And he, he opens the floor up by extending the defense out to 30 feet. Even if somebody else has the ball in their hands, which improves shot creation for others. And our main issue offensively in the Atlanta series was that our center was known as Noel and Clint Capella didn't even have to look at him. So he spent the entire series playing over the midline. I, that was our biggest issue. I don't think that any point guard would have solved that issue. And I don't think that there was anybody out there like, I, cause that, I need a name. I don't like campaign was on. I, I don't think there was, Spencer Dinwiddie. So, but, but, I, but I know but 100%. I did not want Spencer Dinwiddie. So now that we got, well, Evan Fournier, I'm not going to pretend I wanted him. He's coming before, off. Of yeah. ACL. Huh? Oh God. I was going to no, say, go before ahead, you go, like, I was just my bad. I didn't even cut you off. One of the things I wanted to mention with campaign and Dinwiddie and these guys is like one of the things with the Knicks is like the Knicks really do need someone who can attack the rim. I understand Derrick Rose can do it, but I, I, that's where my campaign versus Derrick Rose thing would have came in. Even Derrick Rose versus like Colin Sexton, like they really do kind of need someone who can attack the basket. They just that they just don't have that. And like Emmanuel Quigley, I, I like him as well. I think he's talented. You know, I do think. I personally view him as like more of a six starter than a six man. I feel like a lot of people are hung up off that coming off the ventral where it's like, just get him the minutes. But like the one thing I didn't like is like, he really wasn't really that good at getting at the rim that could change. But like campaign to me feels like someone who can at least offer that element. Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Yeah. Like so much of today's NBA right now is funneling things off the driving kick, bringing those help defenders towards the rim and then hitting the open man. Look, I love quickly. I just didn't see that a part of his game, and I'm not ready to hand him over the keys to maneuver in that role. Am I incorrect in that, Sean? Because who is going to be the person running that driving kick? Is RJ going to take that step? Because right now, all of that's very ambiguous. That's what, I, and that's like I said, you're not wrong. But once again, I would like to see RJ taking that step. So I think the front office is kind of leaning toward giving them that, giving those guys more responsibility. I also don't think that we didn't see a man quickly have an ability to do that. I just don't think we saw him get a lot of opportunities to do so. So I think that in year two, like with, with improvements and with a bigger role, he could improve with that. But that's all, that's all speculation. I can't say anything to prove that to say, oh, this is why this will happen. There's no way to know. So you're not wrong. But I know that like for a fact, I know for a fact, I did not want Spencer Dinwiddie at all. But for why? personal reasons, for basketball reasons, for health reasons. I, coming off a torn ACL. 
it, coming over to an ACL, uh, he hasn't shot over 33% from three in five years. So like the, these things matter. And it's going to, he was saying he wanted 25 mil a year. I'm sure he won't get that now, but it's like, I wouldn't have wanted to, I don't want to give anybody coming off an ACL injury 20 million a year. True. But like, again, that goes into Quentin's point that I thought was really smart that we don't have any driving kick potential on this team. And that's why like going into that series, I don't want to be a broken record. Like our shot creation was really, really tough. And we, we were just taking more difficult shots in Atlanta because Trey Young was putting on a show funneling our defenders in. So I think relying on quickly and Rose to do that is asking for a bit much next season, considering how confident this franchise is that they could be a tier two playoff team next year. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want Dinwiddie. I'll be honest with you. I thought he cost too much. And honestly, for the same shooting reasons, I thought if I'm, if I'm going to pay up for a point guard, like you got to at least shoot threes, bro. Like at a rate that like at a, at a clip that I like, like, I, I, there's stuff to like about Dinwiddie. I think he could have helped, but I just, for the price, it's the same reason. Like I didn't want Fournier. Like I'm not, it does you, you don't move me for $20 million. This doesn't make me happy. This doesn't. And my whole point, Sean, when you keep saying about who give me a name, I don't have much because I don't feel like they needed to do much for all this talk about preserving the cap flexibility. And everybody wants to talk about when they go make a trade. I've been beating this drum since last year. So don't talk to me about the trades. They've had picks since last year. They've had guys to move since last year. They've had cap space since last year. They could have made trades to this point. They could have at least made sizable offers for these trades. Whether or not they won the bid, they could have been in it because of how many picks they could have offered and the cap room that they had to absorb the star into it. So my point is, I I don't feel like now they're in any better position really than they were because again, I feel like now you're almost in a worse position. And again, Sean, this is why I was always pushing trade some of those picks, trade some of those picks, because once you pick them, not only are you on the clock, but chances are you have just lessened considerably your suitors for who you're going to move that pick to because people want to believe they can make the pick and the mystery box. Everybody loves it. Even GMs, but you have to sell them the pick. If you sell them OB in year two, when everyone knows he's not going to play here, we, he has no value because people know that they can get him for free because he has no pl- he's not going to play. So my issue was why, why now? Why commit now to lock yourself into making a decision now after wanting and demanding all this flexibility? I'm not saying that they needed to fill out the cap space up this summer. I'm saying I would throw more money at campaign. Like, I don't know that I would have done the Rose deal in that if I'm signing Cam, I would have given quick more responsibility. You know what I mean? But then I still would have taken my swing on a star. I would have been like, here's five picks. Here's OB. Like, here, here's whoever I took this year. Have at it, buddy. Like, you, you want Mitch? I just signed Nerlens Noel for $32 million American dollars. Do you want Mitchell Robinson? You can have him now. He can be had. Oh, you don't want him? You think he's going to cost a lot of money? So here's Nerlens Noel for $30 million American dollars. Do you want him back in this deal? I also have picks. How do you want to do this? I can give you some young guys too. Push comes to shove. Do you need quickly? Like, you know what I mean? I feel like there was options with it. But, I but, feel like. But Kyle, it's, it's day one of free agency. We All those things you just said are still possible. All the cap is gone though. Coins are gone. For two years. We have no, we have no coins. We have to trade. We have to trade now, which again is, 
is not the worst thing, but but that's what I'm saying. The trade, like we have we have the picks, even you know, the surplus of picks that we almost gave up. We traded the pick to move back a year. We got more. I think that you know, because the same way you said when you make the pick, it loses value. That's true, but it's also not true, especially in that range that we pick in, because I think that Emmanuel quickly has way more value than the 25th pick had before we made it. So if you draft well and, you know, you get Grimes and he performs, you get McBride and he performs, those are also assets you have now. Obi, you get to see him do a little more. That's another asset. You still have the picks. Like you said, you want to take Mitch or you don't want Mitch. You want to take Nolan's Noel. You want to take Alex. You still have all that. So all that's still possible. So I, that's the thing. I don't think that, like, the way that – I understand where you guys are coming from, and it's definitely not like, you know, oh, happy day. We signed Evan Fournier and brought Nolan's Noel back. Not at all. I hated the Nolan's Noel deal. I'm okay with the Fournier deal. Like, it's not the end of the world. I'm not overjoyed. But, like, this, I don't believe the way the perspective you guys have where we're locked into this team for two years, I don't agree. I think that by the trade deadline, we make a big move. Hey, man, I, I more power to you. I've been wishing for that, hoping for that, thinking that for the past couple of years. And then they don't. And then they go, well, you know, the next free agent class is nice. So I don't get what the plan was when for three, four years we were looking to the next free agent class. And for the same reasons you said, you know, at the top of this too, Sean, Every year, I didn't get that stance when every year the free agent class dried up. It's not just this year or next year. Every year that they have lied about preserving the cap space, the, the free agent class dried or was drying up. So they weren't saving it for anybody in particular. They would just say that. It would dry up. They'd say it again. It would dry up. So if this is their way of going, hey, uh, we don't want it to dry up, then cool, I guess. But like, I, I mean, I know you wanted Lonzo. I would have thrown money at Lonzo. Seems like that wasn't a thing. I would have thrown some money at Devontae Graham. Seems like they didn't want to do that. I would have thrown money at campaign. Seems like they didn't want to do that. I thought there was more affordable options to be had, is my point, where you still could have filled up some of the cap and they still would have been attractive pieces going up. That's all. I just wouldn't have done the 48 thing. That is really my only – and Noel. I don't think I would have done Noel, but if this is some sort of gambit on the Mitch decision coming up, then I got to just see what they're going to decide here because – there's worse things than moving Mitch and having Noel as your starting center. Although I get the offensive liability, I get he has stakes for hands. I understand. I'm not trying to justify any of that. But again, so Sean, I do agree with you. There are move. They can get out of things. It's not again. It's not. I'm not trying to paint it as an impossible situation. But the fact of the matter is, they were comfortable locking this in and going, okay, we're cool with this. Like if if it doesn't go anywhere else, we're cool with this, which is the same team in 48. And I'm just interested to see where if they felt like last year's team wasn't ready to make a trade, why do they suddenly feel like this year's team, which is almost exactly the same, but more expensive is now ready to make a trade because they can move the salaries, which again, I don't know that Fournier is as movable as everybody thinks, but maybe, maybe I'm the only one who doesn't believe this at this point, but I don't know. I would like yeah. to see a Mitchell swing. I'd like to see a Lillard swing. I just don't know how I could talk myself into these teams being like, yeah, Fournier and picks is like it, bro. I need that. The Jazz is going to be like, yeah, that's that's the fucking move, bro. Give me Fournier and those those four picks. I, I just don't – It's it sounds like it sounds like a joke. You know what I mean? It sounds like a joke. That can't be the salary going back. I, I don't even think Fournier would be the piece getting traded. Like, if we were to make a move like that, I think that, you know, he's just a complimentary guy now. I think that if we were to make a move – it's probably for a point guard or big. Um, and you move, I mean, hopefully not Mitchell Robinson, but according to everybody else, like if the writing is on the wall for him to be gone, but a package of Mitchell Robinson and, you know, and I, I hate putting people in hypothetical packages. I love these guys, but I say you trade Mitchell Robinson, IQ, OB, three or four or five first round picks, whatever. And you get Damian Lillard or whatever point guard becomes available. Now all of a sudden, you know, the, 
it's it's not that big of a deal. Like you have you have you've set up a pretty good team. Evan Fournier is a pretty good complimentary piece. You got RJ, you got Julius. So I mean, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's the end of the world. I, I think that, that Fournier deal, you know, it could have been there are more exciting things and sexier things that could have happened, but honestly, not really so much this offseason. There wasn't really much out there and it well dried up pretty quickly. So I mean, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I mean, I I understand you guys' position. Like you're, I'm not saying you guys like- are wrong at all. Feels like they paid him just to pay him, which is the thing that we always say that they shouldn't do. Like, I'm all for paying money when you have a meaningful upgrade in front of you. You could, I know you probably feel he's a meaningful upgrade over Reggie. I think when you're almost nothing on defense, I think that's hard to make that case when he shoots at a similar clip from three, which is the whole basis for why he threw most of the money at him. And again, uh, like people are telling me, yeah, like he's a more diverse offensive player. I get that. That makes sense. But I don't see him breaking down a defense and killing people in the playoffs. Like this is a guy who doesn't even get to the rim or the, the free throw line. So what's the attacking that he's going to do? Contested pull-ups. Like what is that? Let's it? Get to the just... free throw line. And I don't like an average clip, not nothing crazy. Look, let's be honest, bro. The second Evan Fournier signed that contract, it became an STD on our books the next three years. I think Kyle hit on a few really good points. I wanted to touch on um, first off, Every decision we've made, there's not a lot of return on the investment that the ceiling could outweigh the contract. I think Quentin was talking about that as well. We weren't taking swings on high upside players that might have been able to show things on the Knicks that they just weren't in positions to show on their previous teams. Those shots could be like Josh Hart, Malik Monk, Campaign, et cetera. You put players into more high usage roles at younger ages, and maybe they boom, and suddenly you have an asset on your hand. The other main issue I had that Kyle was bringing up is that this front office has shown a consistency to lack creativity, and that has not changed in these past two to three years. At 6.01, we signed those contracts to Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel. Those are decisions you make tonight, four or five hours after I plan C and plan D. We were the kids that slept at the Foot Locker for five hours when a new pair of, let's say, Space Jam 11s dropping, the O11 release. And instead of us copping those, we went straight for the Fila or, or Nike Vapor Maxes. You know what I'm saying? We made Plan D decisions. And then the last issue on that is the lack of creativity really shows up when we don't make any of those trades for. Um, a star player or take a real risk in free agency. Cause we know who Evan Fournier is. He's age 28. Now he's been a high usage player in Orlando for the last four or five years. I want to say probably longer. We know who he is. We know who Derek Rose is at this part of his career. We know who Nerland's Noel is. Where is the ceiling on this roster outside of just quickly and Barrett reaching the 99 percentile outcomes? Cause I just don't see it. I think that an understated angle of improvement from this roster is a healthy Mitchell Robinson, which we also can't just, uh, you know, guarantee. But I think that that does a whole lot for us on both sides of the floor and raises the floor and ceiling of this team. So, I mean, and, and I, I really think it's being undervalued. I, and I'm no expert. I'm not even an expert on Evan Fournier, honestly, which is why I'm hesitant to speak on certain things, but I just feel like with the things that I saw us try to use Reggie to do last year and the limitations that I knew Reggie Bullock to have offensively, 
I think we are in much better. I think we became a much better basketball team. Come out, Sean, Kyle, you with me? Kyle, you with me right now? You watched that Atlanta Hawks series. You saw them throw Gallinari at us, show Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter. They got scores for D's. Does this Knicks roster match that now that we added Evan Fournier? We know that answer, but you can answer it for me. I mean, if you're naming John Collins as part of it, then I feel like the bar is a little bit lower. I mean, Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quigley, Derrick Rose, Evan Fournier can be on there, R.J. Barrett. I mean, we we, we are capable. It, it, it's very difficult to score when the center who led the NBA in rebounds and was close to the top of the league in blocks is sitting in the paint waiting because he has <laughs> – because he has no one to guard. It just makes it makes penetration difficult. It makes driving kicks. It makes everything difficult. Yeah, you go, Kyle. I was going to say, to a degree, though, because, like, Mitch can only get out of the way so much. Like, he's either going to make his – which, first of all, I do agree with you, Sean. I think the Mitch thing is being downplayed a little bit because – Part of this is the flow of the offense, which we missed having a vertical attack the entire second half of the season that Mitch was out because quickly for all the playmaking, you know, the, what's said about his playmaking, he need, you know, he has a ways to go, whatever, whatever. The one way that he was really effective in his passing was when he would kind of feel out the defense going into the paint, either looking for his floater or for Mitchell Robinson on the lob. So that does help. I'm just saying, when we're talking about at least the Hawks specifically, I'm not saying you got a game plan to just beat the Hawks. There's a lot of teams you got to worry about, but I'm saying in this instance, I don't know that like Mitch really helps tons versus the Hawks. I think he helps for sure way more than Noel. I don't think it like, it like drastically swings the series is my point, because I think at the end of the day, like he's still like Capella was still probably going to be waiting there. Like Mitch can't space out that far. I don't know if he's still like, because at least he's a vertical threat, like in places where, you know, he can be in a dunk spot. Capella, was, it wasn't like he was like in help position, like he was beyond help position. He was completely disregarding Jonas Noel. You can literally throw the ball up to Mitchell Robinson from any point on the court and he's going to catch it and dunk it. So like that is a huge difference. And defensively, they just threw the ball over Nolan's head the entire series. None of that happens with Mitchell Robinson. Those those alley-oops to Capella, like those uh, half of those floaters by Trey are going into the third row, like it's a huge difference on both sides of the floor, I believe. Like, yeah, you, Noel is not a lob threat. Noel is barely a, a drop-off threat. Like, he doesn't have – he has hands, stones for hands, and then, like, he was getting the ball down low and not going up right away. And, you know, in all fairness to him, you know, everybody's saying he was injured. But it's not like he was ever not an offensive liability while he was healthy. So – he, he was injured. His hands were not. He was not going to – I mean, let's – I, I like no, I like Noel. Come I mean, let's let's be a little bit serious now. But yeah, so but I think look, the, the main point is what Drew spoke to though was like I, I still don't think we have the firepower. Like it's really going to come down to Rose has got to be himself again. Quickly's got to be even better. Archie's got to be even better. Which again, normally you bank on young talent to some degree. I get it, but it just seems like uh, it just seems a bit much. So I mean, maybe maybe it doesn't end up being. Maybe these guys do take the stride you want them to take, which is always what we hope for as fans. But at the end of the day, I just feel like this. I I just don't like this being the plan. Is all. I, I don't mind a couple of guys coming back. I you know we wanted a couple of guys to come back. This just seems like a bit much. Um, but we'll see, man. I mean, look, it's going to come down to trades now. We've been saying this for a few years, and I, I wish it didn't take Evan Fournier, but I do like in in a small, small way that the Knicks are now forced into having to trade their way out of this one because 
that was always the case, man. Like you weren't signing free agents. You were always going to have to go out and get somebody. So, you know, I don't think they're in any better of a position now than they were a year ago, but if they feel that they got the salary to make it work now, or they have a couple of ways they can go with it, then sure. But I, I got to see, I got to see that part of it uh, is all. All right. So you're all correct. But what we just did just now was commend the Knicks as their ceiling being Mitchell being healthy. But we just shot ourselves in the foot, giving Noel the three years, $30 million contract, because now are the Knicks going to number one, have two uh, rim protecting non-shooting centers on their books the next few years, making 10 to 20 million, which is what it would cost Mitchell to be back along with Noel. And then B, the other point, which I tapped into a little bit earlier that I want to hear more of your opinions on, OB Toppin, who showed a lot of promise in that Atlanta Hawks series and the last month of the regular season, is now going to be relegated into a 12 to 14 minute per game role. And I think all of us, um, our expectations were that in a perfect world, Randall and Toppin would be able to play together in the four and five and have kind of a creative, funky two man game you could run with them have a lot more um, of a faster offense and get on the break quicker. None of that's happening now because now we almost threw the draft pick in the dress can because he's going to be mitigated to that ninth man role. What do you guys think? I thought it would have been nice to – yeah, I mean, I thought it would have been nice. Had that, That's basically why I didn't want to sign Noel again is is sort of my, my thing is because I thought you could have went – probably brought Taj back on the cheap, right? Same sort of end of bench, plug the center. And it, he was really good last year too. So I think that would have been fine for the value you would have gotten because I felt like, okay, so even I'm going to play into, I'm going to play into Sean a little bit. Okay. So even if you do like the 48 deal, right. You could then, if you don't do the Nerlens deal, I feel like you have more avenues to get your firepower in the lineups because you can start going a little bit more five out. You can spread the floor a little bit better. You can throw quickly out there with Fournier, with RJ, with, you know, Randall Toppin and just run, just run, just run and shoot, just run, just endlessly, just sprint the floor. Those guys are going to be sprinting quickly. Is always up and down. RJ always runs the floor real hard. Obi learned to run the, the floor real hard. We know Randall's always pushing it as soon as he gets the ball. I think that would have been fun. They could still do that a little bit. You know, it's not the end of the world, but when you pay, Noel, what you paid him, and, and you figure Mitch is going to be the starter and needs to get paid too, then it kind of makes it harder for Obi to get those minutes in those moments. So that's kind of the issue. I, I, I just wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. And I really like Noel, and I think he got fair value, which is why I feel like an idiot, idiot saying, like, I, I wouldn't have done it. it. It makes lots of sense. I just think for the Knicks, like, that was that was like part of the retool I would have liked to see. Like, them lean a little bit more to the offense, like, in a creative way. But... It just feels like yeah. a lot of times with these young guys, we want them to play them a certain way that they won't. And I feel like sometimes I blame me for that. You know, sometimes I, sometimes I'm like, maybe, maybe we're just seeing it. Too much of an imagination. Are. Yeah. Maybe we're a little too mad. And, and I do try to like, really like, you know, not be funny about it. I do really try to think that like, does this really just make sense to me? Or am I only saying it to Sean and Mike and these guys every week? And, and now I, I believe that it's the only thing that can make sense. But I really do. I think the way he was rebounding and defending and running the floor, like, why wouldn't you want that from your five? And you don't got to do that all the time, but you do it in some spurts. And I, I think the Noel deal takes away from that a little bit. And I liked Obi in the draft. I was open about that. I thought he could do some stuff and, and make an impact like we saw the second half of the year. 
So it's a little bit disappointing, uh, especially if now we got to try to, you know, find a, a suitor for him. But I, I don't know. The, the Noel deal, like, perplexes me is the best way I can put it. Yeah, no, you're preaching to the choir on that one. I was not a fan of the Noel deal um, right away. And like you said, it's fair value. So it's like, you know, I'm not going to co- complain and cry too much, but I just think it was a bad use of assets or space or even minutes. Um, and like, to, I, I kind of had the same idea as Kyle. Like you give, you know, Taj, like, I don't know, one year, five million, two years, 10 million, whatever it takes, you know, a, sm- a small deal, get them back just to have that, you know, vet assurance that you need to, if somebody needs to come in here and play center, if you need it, if somebody gets hurt or something like that, but you know, paying to what you did and now putting Obi into pigeonholing him into that role, like was definitely disappointing. And I think that, and it's, it's disappointing. I'm not going to be too far on the other side yet because maybe, you know, we get surprised and during the season we do get to see Obi at the five and Noel is here for insurance and the deal that they can move down the line, whatever it may be. I can't call what they're going to do, but I think that one of the failures of last season was never trying Obi at the five during the regular season. We cried for, I, I personally cried for it all year. I was like, we're going to have to do this. You have to try something because in the playoffs, it's going to come down to matchups. And what happened? We shrunk the floor from the five. We never were able to go. He went uh, Randall Obi while we were down by 23 points in like game four. And it was like, bro, it's too late for this. You should have tried this in January. So I'm hoping that we get to see it somehow. But yeah, it definitely would be irresponsible and a bad use of assets from both sides to not be able to put Obi in that position because there's no way you're not going to, you're not going to decrease Randall's role at all. Like that doesn't even make sense. So now you have to figure out how do we get Obi? How do we make it the most optimal, optimal way for Obi to get on the floor? And you would have to share the floor with Randall. And it's going to be more difficult for him to do that with Mitchell being back and now having Nerlens behind him. I I think that, and honestly, personally, I feel like because of the way the last series went, I really didn't want Nerlens back at all. Um, I would have liked the Santage, even if you did feel like you had to go get a backup five. I would have preferred somebody like Kelly Olynyk. I think Kelly Olynyk got three years, thirty-seven million from the Pistons. Just something different. Something. All right. While Mitch is out here, we're blocking shots, protecting the paint, blah blah blah. Kelly Olynyk comes in. We're spacing the floor for these fifteen minutes, like whatever it may be. But I just think that you know, we saw. I I don't want to get beaten by the same thing twice. So if we end up in the playoffs failing in matchups or whatever because of the same reasons and because of Nerlens Noel, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah, so essentially what we did was limit our own ceiling by signing Noel to that contract because if we want to really get creative and think how this team can improve on last season, it's a world where Obi Toppin's a six-man-of-the-year type player where he's playing 15 minutes at the four and another 15 at the five and work have like these funky creative lineups where we can run pick and roll with Obi and Randall and do a lot of cool things. That's not going to happen now. And that's why I'm so upset because we're almost diluting the asset because he was a top 10 draft pick a year ago. He's already, what, age 24 season next season? He's going to have no room for growth in this system unless there's an injury because I just don't see a world where the Knicks signed Noel at 601, the first minute for agency, to put him in a position where he's not a significant part of the rotation day one. So I'm still perplexed about that and kind of, is where the main crux of my argument stems from that this front office just lacks proper creativity or imagination within their um, process. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, we're, we're going to have to see at the end of the day, it's a, 
it, it's a it's a weird situation because I think a lot of people wanted to bring back a lot of the the team last year, and with you know when you overachieve and things feel good, I, I get that it's natural to want to keep some of those guys around. But I, I wanted to go better upgrade shopping, you know, and I, and I would have been a little bit more patient given the, like the Lillard situation. Like you guys know who I am, but even like the Obi situation, this is why I always talk. I, I'm always pro trade the picks. Like all the time, because when you trade them nine out of 10 times, you're getting way more value for them than what you're going to like, what the other team's going to get in like two years. And I'm always gung ho about it because I always feel like you can keep one. Like, it's never like you're trading every one of the kids. Like you're usually keeping like one guy that you like. Right. And then you're trading the rest. Like that, that's where I'm at. Like keep RJ. If, if everyone else has to go, like they got to go, like that's how this shit works. Right. Like before you convert the rest of the picks into selections, move them. Like, if you draft one of them now and somebody else likes them, move them, move them. If a team really likes them for that can get you a real upgrade, like you, you can't hesitate because things change so fast in the NBA. Like this is what like everybody fails to realize. Everybody wants like these, these nice, clean, slow four or five year builds. Like that's not a thing anymore. The, the league, like the wind, like your era for each team, whether you're trying to build or whatever, it's usually pretty quick, four or five years. And then that's it. And then you turned over again, you're starting fresh. Like this is not, you know, 15 years ago in the NBA and you can go six, seven, eight years and, and hold guys together. It, it's tougher to build. So I'm always pro trade the picks. I'm, I'm, I'm always pro, you know, fuck the kids. Like you got to just trade them. What, unfortunately, whatever you trade them for is you're usually going to get a better value. for. Like, it's just the way that it works. People love the mystery box, man. And, and if not, then they know Obi's 24 and they're like, why do we want that old man? second year player. Like, what is that going to do for us? I, I could sign a, a 27 year old tomorrow who can give me comparable 12 minutes. You know what I mean? It's like, you gotta, you gotta sell on that upside. Sometimes you gotta have the foresight to know like who's going to be around and who's not. Cause you can't play everybody. I've been making this point for a while. Like they, they added a bunch of kids this year and they can't play everybody. They have more picks coming up and they can't even draft everybody. So you got to start making some moves is, is kind of what it comes down to you know, for me. So I, I'm interested to see what they do, but on a quick draft note, because this has been a lot of free agency. This is the free agency special podcast. You guys have probably had it up to here with us with the, with the Fournier arguing and everything to get to this point. I just really quickly, before we head out of here, just want to get everybody's draft thoughts. We're working back about a week, but you know, Sean, I'll start with you, buddy. Uh, what did, what did you think about the draft general philosophy, who we took everything? Um, personally, I loved our draft. Uh, I think that I feel like we could have gotten better value for the 19th pick. Um, I like the concept of the guy I went at 19 is not here and I would like to be able to stockpile assets in the future. So I'm going to move this pick for a future first round pick. I just think that we allowed the Hornets to protect it a little too much. Um, but then I looked, I saw something that said, uh, that because of the way the protections are set up they won't be able to trade picks until like 2025, 20, whatever, like their hand. So they may have to come back and revisit those protections and kind of like, you know, take some of them off, which could be cool. Um, and other than that, I really loved, I, I wasn't really a Quentin Grimes guy. Like I didn't know much about his game. I hadn't heard him linked to us at all, really. Um, and the minute we drafted him, I started looking him up and I fell in love. Like, I think that his jumper is beautiful. Um, I think that the way he creates separation for his jumper is nice. I see like a lot of a base there for him to be able to be like a pretty high level NBA scorer. And if not, at least a three and D guy, he defends well. Um, and it was almost weird to me. I, the more that I looked at him, 
that he wasn't talked about more higher on draft board. Just like this guy was somebody who came out highly touted, had whatever reasons, you know, I think non-basketball that led him not to not go to Kansas. Then he ends up going to Houston, the hometown school. And he takes Houston, a team who their only other NBA guy really was Damian Dotson, who we took in the second round. And he took them to the final four and was playing very well in the tournament. And I'm just like, and leading them on both sides of the floor. So I'm, I'm really confused as to, how this guy fell so far, but I definitely trust the front office. If they took him at 25, they feel they, they can develop him well. Um, you know, he took number eight, which is beautiful to me, eight and nine on the wings. I'm very excited for it. Hopefully he overtakes Fournier and makes that conversation something we don't have to talk about. Uh, and then I like, you know, after that, we had pick 31 or 32. We tra- traded pick 32 to get 34 and 36, which is excellent value. You can't be mad about it. We took a draft and stash guy at 34. I could pretend I'm upset about it. I'm not. Whatever. Hopefully, when he comes over, he's good. Um, he's going to be on the summer league team, which is pretty fun. But that was an extra pick that they got, so great. Um, and then 36, we got Deuce McBride, who I also fell in love with right before the draft. I was just like, you know, this guy might be the best defensive player in the draft. Um, he just struck me as a tips guy. He shot like 42% from three. He defends really well. He gets up into people. Everybody is even Kate Cunningham last year. Um, so I really like that. And then even Jericho Sims at 58, you know, like apparently he was getting a lot of starts over Kai Jones. And, you know, my friend who's uh, Kai, who's a, te- a Texas fan, said like loves Jericho. And like, you know, he's stupid athletic. I just with that level of athleticism, like, yeah, you take that guy 58, even if he can't play basketball, like figure it out. Um, and that's kind of what I was hoping we would do with the 58th pick. I was hoping we'd take a really athletic big. It's like get the most athletic big you can and see if he can play basketball. It's the 58th pick. You have nothing to lose. And that's what we did. So I think we had a very solid draft. I'm looking forward to us in summer league. You know, we've got some good young talent. Hopefully, uh, you know, Grimes is able to get a solid rotation spot. And so is McBride. Um, but yeah, I, I think we had a really solid draft. I have to stop for two quick things. I'm sorry. One is, is SGA just signed a $172 million extension with OKC, which I, I know. Oh, all right. I, I know. I know. I, I don't love it. I had a lot of RJ quickly and, and SGA tampering picks saved in my phone. I had a whole gallery. It's a folder. Uh, it says tampering in big letters. I'm very excited to use it whenever I use it. Unfortunately, I never get to use it enough. Um, that stinks. The, the second thing that, um, I was going to say is mostly just, yeah, uh, for my, my draft strategy is always just, you know, do we need guards? Do we need shooting? Did you draft that? I will give them a fair shake. Normally that's what I do. I'm going to hold to that this time too. I just don't like the philosophy. I, I, it's not like some big tirade. I, I, I hate it, hate it. Cause you know, the draft is a crap shoot. You can pick anywhere and, and somebody might work out. I just don't like, I didn't love the trading back twice. I, I, if you do it once, okay. I, I didn't like trading back twice. I don't like the protections on the Charlotte pick. Seems like they were just trying to get too cute. They did it last year too with the trading. So enough for me, you know, enough. I, I don't need to do this every season. You don't got to trade back every year. You know what I mean? Like if you just want your guy, just go get him. Like you don't have to convince me that it was a better pick at, you know, 25 than, than 19. You know what I mean? If you, if you liked him at 19, just take him at 19. All right. Like, that's all that I ask. You know, don't don't bullshit but, me. But don't why? If you can, if you can get him at twenty five and get another asset, why take him at nineteen? With all the protections, though. So you know, you got to get through the protections and hope it can. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes we yeah, just. I didn't like the protections because because my point was Sean, and with this draft specifically, I was saying trade either their pick or the Dallas pick this year. I've been saying like that should have like 
been included in whoever, like they could have gotten whoever. I'm not saying even a star trade, like you could have done, you could have meaningfully upgraded with like a first or two and whatever, and gotten somebody, you know, that kind of deal. So I wanted that to be done. That's why like, for me, that's like the second part of his like, so not only did you not do that, but now you're like deferring it again, sort of is sort of why it's like at some point, bro, just make the, just trade the fucking picks, bro. If you're not trading them now, you got to trade them next year. It's like, why are we always kicking the can down the road a little bit there? But again, not like I, I, I truly hate it. They, they drafted some guards. Crimes look like you can shoot a little bit. I like the pull up stuff. I don't, I never like to ever believe anybody's going to be for real. Uh, I got to see everybody do it at the NBA level for me to buy in. Uh, same thing I said for quickly. I had question marks with quickly last year. I liked that he could shoot. I said, I'd give him a fair shake. I just had a little bit of concerns about some things, which he quickly put to bed for the most part. No pun intended as always, but yeah, I mean, I, I like Grimes. Um, McBride looks like he could do some stuff. So, I mean, I'm, no offense. I never really care about the last guy in the draft, even if it's Sims. Hey, he does look athletic. I'll give you that. And normally that's my same philosophy. Throw a bunch of shit at the wall. Take a, take a big high upside swing, athletic kid, whatever. If it works, you look amazing. Sort of like the Mitch thing, except, you know, late round thing that they did. But that, that that's fine. Um, I'd rather have more guards than not enough. And hopefully one of these pans out. That was my whole, my whole thing I wanted with this draft anyway. Take a bunch of guards. Uh, hopefully one of them one of them works in, in tandem with quickly. And then you don't have to really worry about much after that. So I'm willing to see what they do, but I, I didn't really have much to complain about from the draft aside from the double trade downs. Made me lose my mind a little bit. Just want to punch in here real quick. Cause I was just in the abyss for a second there. <laughs> you um, yeah, man, my thing just died on me. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the Knicks got some decent players. I think uh, McBride is going to be good. I think Grimes is going to be fine. Roca seems to have some uh, buzz there, so he's going to Barcelona. So hopefully we can get some some watching of his game from there. But I think my general issue is that the Knicks kind of passed on perceived higher talents in the draft, I guess. Like with the 19th pick, like if they would have took Jalen Johnson from Duke, I would have been interested in that because it's sort of like an investment in your future. Same with like if they took Jaden Springer. I personally would have took Springer over Grimes just because I think Springer's the young was like the youngest player in the draft or the second youngest indie. And like I don't think it's off the table that he can be a point guard completely. Um and like McBride, I probably would have taken him at 32. Um but I just feel like between the last two years we had four first round picks and I feel like they've actively kind of avoided those higher ceilings for guys who can come in and contribute right away, which is a concern because like now you see like Obi didn't play well his first year. And now we're kind of on the edge of moving on from him. But, you know, overall, I just think that's something that I kind of wish they would be a little bit more aggressive on and taking those swings and getting some higher level guys. But I think the guys they got, they're going to contribute because they're, I don't want to say they're low ceiling, but they're medium ceiling talents who can come in right away and contribute to the back end of a rotation. Uh, Quinn, you know, you know more about like the draft and stuff than me. I I would just like to know what makes Grimes a lower ceiling guy or a medium ceiling guy as opposed to somebody like Springer or Jalen Johnson. Because like I said, I love every single thing about Grimes' game, and I'm still confused as to what it is that made him even fall that far. I'm actually gonna swing that over to Drew. I feel like Drew's even more of a draft guy than us. So if you could take that, Drew. Oh, no, nah, I just be spoiled with Synergy. So when I got shit to do, I'd be on Synergy. So with my issue with Grimes, like he was a very popular college player, but 
his functional athleticism is kind of limited to me in terms of his movements. Like he don't got that twitchiness that you really want for a shot creator. And then in terms of the threes he was taking, they were all threes that were like college threes. I think a lot of the smarter basketball people have leaned towards looking at those college players that take NBA threes because it's more translatable. So the fear is that his threes he's taking might not translate to the NBA three. And then he plays very below the rim um, in terms of around the restricted area. So those are all concerns. So I kind of see him more in the three and D role. And we don't know how well that three is going to translate because in terms of the shooting mechanics as well, it gets a little funky towards the end, which kind of like at post-release, which kind of scares me as well. So like, I'm cool with the Quentin Grimes pick. I guess if I'm talking right now, um, you're going to have to bear with me because my heart is still broken from hearing the Shea Gilgis news. It's almost like seeing the girl you got a crush on post a man on Instagram the first time. So I'm still processing this. But um, other than that, the Grimes pick was okay because I think it had Tom Thibodeau's hands all over it because he sees – Grimes is a very gritty player. He's going to give you 110% on defense all the time. If the three ball translates, he's actually like the perfect Reggie Bullock um, player for the system, except he can do more things uh, off the bounce than Bullock could. Um, in terms of how I felt about the draft, I think I picked 19. It would have made a lot more sense to go after more of the – like Quentin was making really good points in terms of going after – more of the high upside swing. And I think going after a shot creator like Cam Thomas made so much sense when we just watched the season where that half-court offense was painfully dry. And I think Cam is somebody with such an expansive bag. He'd come in day one as probably our most creative shot maker. And I think letting him go to Brooklyn at 27 is something I'm personally going to regret. And then trading that pick for a future pick is just rolling over the asset which goes back to my fear that this organization is scared to take swings. I would have taken the high upside swing at that pick at 19 or just traded up and said, Hey, I really love this player. And if we're going to add one impact player in this draft, fine, let's do it. In terms of Miles McBride, I was on the draft season podcast. Shout out to my mans over there about um, Miles McBride and Tom Thibodeau being the perfect love Island relationship because low key, everything that Miles McBride is, um, Bob Huggins, dude, um, Gree from from Cincinnati, like he a real one. Um, he's going to fit in with Thibodeau perfectly because his defensive intensity is on 110 at all times. And he low-key got the strap. Like he got some shot gravity to him. He could put the ball on the floor a little bit. I don't think there isn't a world where we don't see him with like a Fred Van Fleet uh, upside because they do a lot of things. And oh, shout out Kyle, I'm talking about Van Fleet, I'm looking at him right now. Um, so – uh, I think there's a world where we um, see that as well. And then the Jericho Sims, I agree with Kyle as well. I like taking swings at players that have um, high athleticism scores. But the last thing I should mention, me and a couple of my friends were speaking about this. Something that can't be underlooked is that the Knicks definitely bought into everything they saw at the Combine. Because for those that are watching the Combine this year, probably two of the best players in the combine. Jericho Sims had a great combine and then Quentin Rhymes absolutely smoked the combine. So it looks like this front office puts a lot of their eggs in that basket. And I think that's important to note um, in future drafts. Is that not, is that not a Perry thing? 
Because if if I may, the reason Kevin Knox is going to the summer league in year four is because while, while SGA just got five years, 172 million teammates at Kentucky, teammates at Kentucky, Scott Perry watched the whole season of Kentucky and said, I need Kevin Knox, but not seriously. Why they picked Knox was because he impressed in the workout. So he had a good workout. He busted who miles Bridges ass is, is the rumor, right? He busted his ass in a workout. Scott Perry had to take him. So it might be a, they, they get in person and, and that means a lot to them. They, maybe that's starting to track a little bit now, but you know, I now can't get Kevin Knox in the I summer don't, league. I don't feel too good head. about that because also like the Evan Fournier, I could be incorrect, but I'm almost hundred percent sure when Orlando traded for him, he was the assistant GM with Orlando. So it kind of feels like Scott still has his hands all over this roster, which I don't know um, how to feel about that, but it's something to note going forward. True, that can't be possible, though. I was told that Scott Perry doesn't do anything. He's a shadow GM, and he'd be totally harmless. How can that be, Drew? I'm, God damn it, Drew, I'm floored right now. I can't believe it. Did we get duped? We got duped? I was It's I was almost like his harmless. job title doesn't say general manager. <laughs> Reading's hard for me, you know? I just can't. It's tough. It's tough. I, I didn't see myself in the situation. But, look, uh, it's... It's been an off season so far. Uh, we might have uh, a couple more trips up our sleeves, but you know, right now it seems like they they drafted who they were going to draft. They signed who they were going to sign. Uh, it's we'll see. I, I don't think you know. End of day, uh, they're capitalizing off a winning season by bringing back most of the same crew and some friends. So hey, look, I have my thoughts on it. We all have our thoughts on it. Hopefully, it works out in the end. I do the same thing every time. I, everybody gives me shit. I throw up a big stink during free agency and draft time. I just. I get it all out of my system now because after this is going to be how is this all going to work? Like I'm going to, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, I'm over it. I still don't love the 48 thing, but all right, how's this going to actually work now with the roster? And then that's how my brain thinks. So I'm not trying to sit here and slam 48 endlessly for four years, unless of course he proves that I'm right about this and I get to rub it in everybody's face, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow rooting that he's just going to be the guy that you guys are all saying he is and that I'm wrong. And that we could just all move on in peace with winning New York Knicks basketball. So hopefully this was an offseason to uh, start heading in that right direction. But I almost forgot how to do this when we, we sign off the pod. It's been, it's been what, a month and a half. So, you know, appreciate you guys being back with us. Appreciate you guys listening to the uh, the 2021, the Knicks Wall free agent and draft extravaganza catch-up episode uh, from not being here the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know. Stay tuned. I, I know we have a lot of merchandise dropping soon. Uh, we we held off after the season ended. I wanted to make sure we got the, the draft and free agent stuff right. So I, I got some stuff in the works with uh, Ryan Gray. You know, I know Dom's working on some stuff too. So next end of this week, maybe you'll start seeing some stuff, I hope. But, uh, you know, designtree.com slash the Knicks wall. Uh, you guys are great all season supporting, buying shirts. Uh, so, you know, like I said, stay tuned. We got a lot more coming, but uh, oh, also, uh, we didn't get to talk about it a lot, but shots to all you guys using the offseason app. Uh, Ryan did a tremendous job with that again. I know normally we like to make a big deal about it on this podcast, warn you guys, make sure you're all uh, tuned in and aware. And I know that we sort of dropped it on you guys as a surprise this time. You were all waiting for it. Thankfully, uh, it did not go unnoticed. It seemed like, you know, you guys all had fun with it. But uh, as always, just glad we were able to put something out for you guys to have fun with, kill some time during the dead of the season. So, 
on that note, make sure you're following the Knicks wall. Make sure you're following us. Make sure you're reading the Knicks wall every day. And uh, go Knicks. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. Go Knicks. Here.